I used to love me some pixie sticks. They had the audacity to come out with the like fucking four foot ones and you're just sitting there tossing all of that powdered sugar in your mouth. Candy like that is effectively cocaine. I'm in love with the cocoa. I'm in love with the cocoa. Uh, killer. Kanye, this is that 1970s. Hello and welcome back to the Jones Chronicles, where we will discuss whatever is on my mind this week. The most exciting thing was why the Last Man trailer came out, and it was Mimi who uh who hit me to that. I did not know it had dropped. Usually, like I'm flagged on certain things like that, but I didn't see anything come into my my inbox, so I was happy. She's like, oh, this looks interesting. I'm like, girl, did you not know? <laughs> this is my favorite comic of all time. I have all of them on display in my living room currently right now where my television is. If you have not read it, I suggest that you do. I think it's coming out September the 13th. Go to your local library. Go wherever you need to be to get this comic. I paid, though, like what for the whole thing? Maybe 70, 80 bucks um so i don't know how much it's going to be to buy it and that was through a friend of mine who just happened to own a comic store and he kind of gave it to me on a discount so do not quote me on how much it may actually cost it's you know relatively highly popular as far as like it's gotten a lot of awards but it's not one of those that like the marvel or dc comics that people might immediately go to and it's not that type of comic at all meaning there's no super uh, soldiers or human beings or superheroes in any capacity it is mainly a story about a man and his monkey <laughs> being the last man alive on earth go check out the trailer um september 13th is when it's coming out on fx I don't think it's going to get the recognition it deserves because it is very much a kind of cult classic comic. But it's been in production for years trying to make this work. Lashana Lynch was actually supposed to play Agent 355 and I was excited about that. But actually the girl that is playing her, I think is more authentic to the part than Lashana Lynch's character would have been. So super uber waiting for that day i've also been watching expanse reactions because i just missed that show <laughs> so much and i'm reading the sixth book so i'm thoroughly entrenched before this next season because i love it so much and blind waves watching it so that kind of spurred me and then another um girl that i watch is doing it as well and a few others and i must say watching people's reaction to the expanse and how they um interpret conflict and things it, it's a good commentary or people study i suppose what i am learning is it is easy to see things through your own lens and it's really hard for people to see things through other people lenses that probably didn't come out as elegant as i wanted it to say but to go a little further trying to empathize with others conflict is something that i think is a huge issue in the real world and considering people do the exact same thing in fictional tv 
shows why it's such an issue <laughs> in the real world and it should be rather i mean it's rather plainly written out and yet that lens that colored lens people that are privileged too and i think that's a huge part of it um when you're privileged and you're sitting in a place where you've never had to struggle it's hard it's simply just not uh comprehensible for those people to understand how the other side of that may feel and how it how it um elevates their actions even if you don't agree with said actions it, it's a hard thing for them a hard pill to swallow and it's a sad thing to see because one the expanse does a really great job of I think one of the best things about that series is that they they really highlight how humanity is its own characteristic flaw. It continues to play out the same shit over and over and over again per millennia. It just comes with the territory. And then you have people saying really silly things like, you don't have to start things without shooting. And I'm like, see, that's a naive fucking thing to say. That's an American thing to say. <laughs> considering all the fucking wars we've had we've done the conflicts we've jumped into so it, it's just funny to me watching those reactions and seeing how and some people will go at it in the comments you like try to tell the person like you know <laughs> in a respectful way too like this is actually what you should be seeing but the fact that they don't see it it can sometimes be bothersome to me and it shouldn't be because you know we're all creatures that can learn and maybe this just ain't the moment of time in which they've they've learned uh this particular lesson in life or or understanding or maturity level but at the same time it's you know after 2020 i feel as if the world has went through a cosmic shift a little bit as things really and it's not just political it's social climates it's just how we treat each other it's the communities that we have to go out to and be held accountable for i mean if you was walking around and you ain't had no fucking mask on and i got a mask on you best believe it wasn't about oh it's about your right it's like no this affects fucking me so i'm gonna need you to do your part so with all of that going on seeing that limited mindscape particularly from people of color can be disappointing but i just really do ultimately feel that people just don't know how to come off their own soapbox and you have to be able to come off your own soapbox to reach out across the line to anybody otherwise i kind of feel as if you live in a glass dome where your opinion and only your opinion and your way of seeing it matters and that's not necessarily true it's easy to put your morality on a pedestal in your own brain it's much harder when you're in the muck or you're understanding the struggle then you have to really stretch it and most people don't like to stretch that brain they don't like to stretch that flex muscle whatsoever and that's why so many people are blissfully unaware or easily persuaded by lies and bullshit because they only live in that bubble of their existence because it, it's too hard it's too much work exertion to exist out of autopilot and that's 
Not a way. I think that any of the great philosophers, Carl Jung and Nietzsche, really showcase to us what living is all about. It's not just about that small-mindedness of morality where, you know, things are black and white and easily defined. We live in a world of colors and the occasional gray more than the occasional gray in certain areas of this country but that is just my opinion and i'm never so concrete on my opinion that i don't ever think that it can't be debated what cannot be debated is my love of libraries i remember the first time i went into the cleveland public library downtown it was the biggest library i had ever been into at that point and it was like walking into the Vatican. My love of books started in the school library, which was basically one room with two shelves, a whole bunch of Harlequin romances and goosebumps. I got over R.L. Stein really quickly, moved on to Harlequin romances, but I still wanted to read more. So going into an actual cathedral worth of knowledge, and not only that, I finally got access to computers because my mom did not get a computer in our house until I was about 17 years old. And you were not allowed to use it unless it was for schoolwork. We didn't do schoolwork on computers unless she was writing a paper. So if I wanted to listen to some music, I had to go to the library. So I spent a lot of my time at the library after school. At first it was going to the one downtown because that was the first stop because when I went to the Cleveland School of Arts, I had to travel all the way to the east side, which meant I had to take the bus all the way downtown to catch the rapid all the way to my school at 13. And my favorite thing would be to find whatever book on the shelf, usually a hard copy Harlequin Romance. It was really hard to get past the, the Harlequin Romance and it was like, fucking like endless rows of the shit so i would find a nook and cranny i would get my little snacks that i got from the my little bag of goodies and i would sit there for six hours just reading and it was the most serene time of my existence now when i wanted to read at home i had to commandeer the restroom because i shared a a bed with my sister my youngest sister and then my other two sisters they were in the other bedroom because we only had a three-bedroom home and then my parents were in one bedroom now when my cousins came to live with us which was about the time of 13 14 because my aunt ended up having ms and was not able to take care of them so my mom had what uh eight kids in the house eight fucking kids and we wonder why her mental deterioration went down my world is crumbling around me. Mind you, we were all the same age except for the youngest one. So that was seven teenagers. <laughs> um, they were all three boys. So when they moved in, my brother and the rest of them were up in the attic, which is not the most comfortable place in the world to have as your bedroom. I assure you, in the summertime, I would go up there and I'd melt. Just literally melt welcome to the rice fields motherfucker so there was limited amount of places in the house in which you can have solitude and i needed solitude they didn't understand that i was an introvert and that it was a necessity to breathing 
and the basement was just too scary for me i wasn't going down there i'm not into scary movies and anything that looks like it's gonna turn into a scary movie nah i'm out fuck it not doing it so it was the bathroom it was now it was annoying only when people had to go to the restroom <laughs> like can i get in there like you trying to you're like leaning up against the door and they open the door and they're like what the fuck who's in here i am <laughs> can you get out so i can piss I sit out in the hallway waiting for them to come out so I can go back in. <laughs> At this time, I did meet my first girlfriend. She was about like six foot four, dark as night, and her name was Cinnamon. And we were thick as thieves. We just had the same ideas. We liked the same types of things like white boys. Um, <laughs> we love going to the library together. She had a whole much more life experience than I did. She felt otherworldly because she went to different schools and they would, you know, it wasn't my experience whatsoever. So that, and she had other friends at, at different schools around and I was able to meet them. So it was this introduction into a world that wasn't as placid as the one in which I had known for 13 years. And then going to the School of the Arts, I met a lot of artistic folks. So it wasn't just writers. It was people who were into acting, people that were singers, people who did band. Uh, I believe Cinnamon was a singer. I can't remember, actually. But I do remember the feeling of I've arrived, right? I found my crew, my people. The only thing is, is that while I didn't suffer from low self-esteem, I had a low confidence so when everyone else in my class would pull up like their work it was so it felt more mature than anything I had written so I, I felt this it was a good and bad thing right because I felt this need of maybe I'm an imposter in a world of people that are much better than I am on the other hand it challenged me to come out of this more um, cookie cutter because I wrote and when I wrote it, it was always with an idea of my mom might read this so <laughs> I was writing for well not writing for but I was writing with caution I should say and I started writing without caution and I started really owning what I wanted to say what I wanted to express how I felt about things so it became a journey of self-discovery despite me being there only for um, the first two years before I was yanked out um, by my mother because apparently she didn't like that I was skipping out on school and going to the library or it could be because that year I just happened we had this um, open mic night and I and you know invite all the parents and I read a poem called two curve roads uh the first time i actually stood up and read a poem in front of my parents and a whole bunch of other people which i don't like public speaking at all i it just uh I, I've, I've been pushed to do it at work a few times <laughs> where they're like stand up and you got it and you're not even bad at it but i'm like i uh it's just the whole everyone looking at me part and feeling comfortable and not tripping over my words and it, it, I have anxiety about it is what I'm trying to say <laughs> so I was sweating bullets but I felt really proud because it was something I felt was authentically me now all of my poetry that I wrote between the age of 13 and 18 actually was uh, the first book I published called Vent 
where it was a compilation of poetry. I don't have any right now, so I'm, I'm not going to bust out any for you, but maybe another time you all can enjoy the ramblings of my youth <laughs> through every emotion that you could possibly conceive, including lust and infatuation. And I had a lot of that going on too. I mentioned the Michaels, which is funny because one of the Michaels in which I am referencing actually reached out to me on Facebook like two months ago. And I was like, no, still. <laughs> Swiggity swooty. I'm coming for that booty. But there were the two Michaels and they were cousins. We all went to church together and I had a crush on. Oh, God, I can't remember their names I, I know it was Michael W that's who I had a crush on and his cousin was Michael I think C but we all went to the same Sunday school class in which Michael W made a romantic gesture by pointing out a verse in the Bible towards me something about carnal sin and delight whatever I just know that we got up to the big church which is up a few stairs and where all the adults were after we spent the first 45 minutes downstairs so that we can go upstairs and listen to the preacher shout in tongues. Now I've been to a few churches. I've been to a Baptist church. I've been to a non-denominational church and we grew up Pentecostal and they talk in tongues. So if you've never witnessed this before, it is, I don't know what else to say it, demonic. It feels demonic. <laughs> they start rolling around on the floor. People just lose their shit and it's a little frightening to be thoroughly honest. But in this moment, it wasn't because Michael was holding my hand and we held hands all through church. Um, they were so sweaty and they was cramped because we just kept holding them. But it was the most beautiful experience ever. There's more to the Michael story. The thing is, I actually dated him for about three weeks when we finally were adults. He used to work at Subway and I used to stop by and see him all the time. And then eventually we got over to his crib and things got a little... How should I say? Oh, yeah. I was 20 years old by this point, so the V card was gone. I didn't lose my V card until I was 18. So for all my wandering eyeballs, no one was getting up in this pussy. Is the fact that you see me as a kid related to why you don't see me as a potential lover? Sadly, after that, we just abruptly stopped going to that church because my mother wanted to try out other things. I think she fell out with some people. Um, she still has friends from when she went to Aspenwall. But when we moved, we very, very rarely went back. And I was absolutely thrilled, <laughs> even though I was like, no, my love. But I also had Jeremiah at school. It wasn't until later in life, like much, much later in life, like way after, you know, in the last 10 years that I realized that I'm catnip the narcissist with my empathic personality type. And unfortunately, because I was not aware of this, you know, fully aware of my own personality and other people like I 
could feel a lot but i didn't know i could not define what these things were regarding people because like i said my 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 world was still very square it did not expand until i literally left ohio and that wasn't until many years later but at 13 14 i was still a wildflower i used to actually love walking outside in the grass with no shoes and my mom hated it i would not wear shoes to save my life i was a little bit of a hippie even now i'm still a bit of a hippie even though i was not born anywhere near that generation what made me the happiest was reading writing philosophy and listening to music that's all i ever wanted didn't even need kush but back to michael simmering after that one you know we had that one moment of connection physically and kind of painfully there was jeremiah bogey dan yes that was his name look i really like the front singer of days of the new so when the approximation of the man decided to come into my purview while i was standing at the stop at the stop at the top of some stairs and he was standing at the bottom and our eyes met determined to have him but he was not determined to have me a ninth grader considering he was in 11th grade but man do i dodge bullets it's like unbeknownst to me i had a sign on my forehead that says don't ruin it don't you dare ruin her and thus it kept all of the really horrible people that i seem to think were highly attractive and want to get in touch with romantically would find themselves being like no and then they would do things like go and get a 10th grader pregnant and that was her life she was pregnant had to drop out of school to add insult to kind of injury um she was in my writing class <laughs> like why not me but in hindsight thank fucking christ because clearly these people were not responsible at all with their penis and its ejaculation. <laughs> the other guy, Chris, I was telling you about, he got someone pregnant too. This was also around the time I got a lesson in girlfriends that all girls aren't your friends. Like they're great with you as long as you know your place, but God forbid if you supersede what they feel that you're worth like a, my friend cinnamon she was very tall she was lean she was gorgeous there was no debate that she was a gorgeous woman but i guess the guy that she was after started having a crush on me i did not realize this i did not reciprocate this because she was my friend and i was not going to do that to my friend so she decided to play a prank on me at the library now i don't know if you remember yahoo chats <laughs> might be a little young for some of you but in yahoo chats you know you could create these like breakout rooms is what they call them nowadays and in one of them it seemed as if jeremiah quote unquote had been speaking with me and he talked about how he liked me how he wanted like she knew that was my number one crush 
through the whole two years of ninth and 10th grade so she had me going it wasn't even like oh it's a five minute oh that's funny it's not it's actually no i was talking to her about it i was like oh my gosh it was everything i had ever wanted this was downright cruel and then after an hour she goes uh and i was what we got off the computer and everything she's like it was me the whole time we did not stay friends after that because she treated me in a manner i didn't like i was devastated and she did it because she knew it would hurt me and there was nothing in my mind that rationalized why she would behave this way and i told y'all about my scorpio streak like it's in check a lot of the time now but you know hormonal teen me it was not in check so i said okay i got you guess what i did i dated the boy that she liked <laughs> Now, when I say date, I mean, we saw each other at the bus stop and we hung up at the library. It didn't last very long because I didn't even like him. I was being, I was being spiteful. <laughs> I can admit that to myself. And he wasn't very interesting at all. I was like, girl, you could have him. <laughs> and you could have had him. But because he liked me, you decided to somehow play me into getting my own feelings hurt about something that's not even related to your situation what's sad is that was the last female friend i had throughout the rest of high school i i didn't establish close relationships with people in high school and i certainly didn't have close relationships with females because even after this one experience it wasn't that i wasn't open to it is that i recognized the pattern a lot quicker and I haven't had a lot of female friends. I mean, the closest I have right now are Mimi and Shy and Sasha. Um, I even in my day to day life, I value friendship and finding like minded people like you is not as prevalent. And I have people who say, oh, I got these female friends. And then every time I see them, they're talking about each other. They're disparaging each other. I don't know what it is about female on female, why it needs to turn into a competition. But more so often than not, I find that is what I am encountering. So when I do find those good female friends, I hang on to them. But it isn't something that I've been blessed with throughout my whole 37 years. Um, I've had more male friends than female friends. Not even my sisters were really close friends. They we were on different wavelengths. They were into popularity and they got a lot of it. I was very much <laughs> the shadowy figure that most people would see walking very quickly between classes in the hallway without looking left, right, up, or down. Because eventually I got snatched and I was put in james rhodes high school where the rest of my siblings went though i don't regret whatsoever um those two years in the school of arts now would i have been more successful there i can't say i really can't because on one hand my worldview was opening and i was getting more in touch with who i was as a person but on the other hand it was high school and high school is the same at one as it is at the other even one that has a more different curriculum built into artistic development it still has the same bullshit oddly enough it did not 
quell at all my need to sneak out of school at any opportunity that I could find myself. Now, did I do my schoolwork? Yes. But there was a repetition to school. That's why I'm like, man, we need to work on this curriculum in our education department in America because I could skip three days, show up on Friday, still take the test and get an A. Now, maybe everybody, maybe I'm just gifted. Okay, and everybody can't do that. But fuck, y'all talking about the same shit for six days, like two weeks straight. We still on the same subject. We're not learning. All we're doing is telling you something so that you can memorize it, so that you can pass this test to say that you learned it, so you can forget it in another five weeks. They don't teach to retain, not even a little bit. And it got hard for me just being behind everybody else. So it was more like, I don't feel like this is a good utilization of my time. So I would skip school and go to the library because that was something I enjoyed doing was reading those books. It all goes for a little circle. Luckily for my writing and because of this experience, though, at the Cleveland School of Arts is that I was able to more aptly put to pen or put to paper, I should say a lot of the things that were happening around me because i still had plenty of material that's for damn sure <laughs> next time i'll have to tell you about frankie and chris i don't know how i keep getting into these familial love triangles but i also think there just wasn't a lot of black females that entertained the idea of looking at a white male so when a it becomes common knowledge because some of your sisters are bitches and think it's something worth spreading around the whole entire neighborhood then uh your your cup runneth over with the caucasian interests so we were all at this so i was over at chris and frankie's house they had more siblings there it's one little boy he was just a hot ass mess but there was this um this park behind our house and everybody knew this was the dope dealer park <laughs> because you could see the dope dealers on the corner People just roll by and they bicycle. You know, they look like they high-fiving, but you really just, you know, we've seen the movies by now. So we live right next to the dope park. There was also this alley in between the houses where the dope park was. Out of nowhere, the place is fucking surrounded by police. I mean, that everyone, it was, it had to be about 50 to 60 people in this park. And it's not a big park. It's not huge. But it had a lot of basketball hoops. And you know in the hood how people like to just chill around the basketball hoops next thing you know someone said hootie hoo and everybody just ran even my fucking square ass and my sisters knew when you heard hootie hoo and then the 5 popped up you got ghost it didn't even matter if you wasn't doing shit you just got ghost <laughs> you didn't fuck with the police that's why i would call them just to piss off my parents because i knew I just knew that's the last thing they wanted was for the police to show up at the door asking fucking questions so everybody start running police come out they start chasing everybody in every direction then all of a sudden I look up and it's a fucking helicopter up there So when I ran, all I did was go into uh, where our apartment was, our apartment buildings were. This is kind of between the move. And 
I'm just standing in there like waiting for because people are running behind me too. They had followed because they're going to chase right across the alley right into our um, yard. It's nothing to stop people from chasing going through there. So then police are running through but one person stopped and they threw something in a bush. Y'all why was that a fucking gun? Why did they have to toss their pistol in my yard? Then I see two cops going flying by the door. They fucking arrested a dude. What's sad is that we scared too, thinking we're going to get arrested just for being there. Because it's not like that don't happen. They ended up finding the gun. Um, what's sad is that about four days later, because there was another empty lot next to our building. And the police ended up finding a dead body in San La Actually, they didn't find it. Two other people from the neighborhood found it. And then they called the police. Um, and there was a dead body over there. So like I said, I had plenty of material <laughs> for my creative writing in which to continue on that legacy. And I do need to get back to writing. It's something I'm really trying to focus some energy. I have to divert, you know, because I've been recording the podcast, which will not uh, be out next week. I am taking a week break. So there will be no recordings next week. We'll get back to it the week after. We'll pick up for what we didn't even cover this week because I'm not going to backtrack. Um, but yeah, that is some of, something I want to do in this last week where I have some time to myself versus some other things that I have to get done. Because I do think it's one of those things that, you know, I had some talent with and I enjoyed doing and I still do. I create a million stories in my head. I just never put them down on paper. So I need to start committing to that. Well, I think we've talked enough about me and my shenanigans, childhood or otherwise. So if you want to send feedback, I am going to pose a question for the next episode to uh, get some engagement. Because I know people are listening. <laughs> but uh, let's go with your top three celebrity crushes at the age of 14 15 may not remember but uh at least one so that's gonna be the the poll question i'm putting out to you you can either write your answers into me blackercouch at gmail.com you can leave a comment below on this podcast reach out to me on any of my social media it'll be below remember to like share subscribe until the next time peace Hair grease and black or magic.